Welcome on in, everybody. It's great to have you here. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Man, a ton to get to uh, from the weekend. It was a busy Halloween as far as fights were concerned. We had a lot of news this week. So let's get into it. I want to start off with the Showtime boxing card from last night. Gervonta Tank Davis taking on Leo Santa Cruz. They're putting both of their belts up on the line. Gervonta's lightweight title, Santa Cruz's super featherweight title as these guys were going to crack at this thing and let's see what's going on it was supposed to be a big star making performance for Javante Davis and that did not disappoint it was an absolute show-stopping knockout from him in the sixth round um, uh, a hellacious left uppercut that deaded Leo Santa Cruz buckled him under the ropes and that was all she wrote and it was a really fun fight between these two guys uh you know, I thought Leo Santa Cruz, I mean, he did not come to mess around. He was going to bring that all-action style. He did not try and hold anything back. He is always a guy that will put himself in the line of fire, but he is a guy that, uh, like many thought, was coming up in a, in a big-time weight. He's not going in there with the little guys where he could take a gazillion shots and, and win the war of attrition. He was having some success with it, especially early on. I do think that Javante Davis uh, really looked like around round three, like he was... Uh, comfortable. There was a little swelling around his eye, but I think that once he realized he wasn't going to get hurt with any one shot, uh, he really started timing himself. He was setting things up. He looked very, very mature, very poised, and eventually got him. You know, got him with a shot. But it was—I mean, look, Leo Santa Cruz was not backing down. It was a—it was a great back and forth between them. Anytime that Tank was, you know, uh, unleashing anything at him, you know, Leo was not. Uh, letting himself get out of the fight until he got hit with an absolute nuclear bomb, and that was all she wrote. So you you got to give a, a lot of credit to Leo for you know putting his neck out there. You know he wanted this fight, um, he wanted to silence a lot of doubters. But look, you got an absolute you got an absolute horse uh, right now in this division with Tank Davis. That guy hits with uh, with absolutely no conscience. And if I could just take the words of one Errol Spence. <laughs> uh, mother bleeper hit like a horse kick and I've seen a horse kick before and uh, that's that's uh, that's no bueno so you know it, it, I, my first reaction to that shot from Javante was they that couldn't have gone any better for what they wanted and in in a couple regards I think one um he was going he's been built up to be the heir apparent the next pay-per-view star all of this type of stuff and you wonder these things as a uh, as a person who watches this sport i i said this last week you know with the build of a mayweather uh you know part of the appeal with mayweather is everybody kind of was rooting against him he was brash he talks a lot of trash um you know it wasn't always the most pleasing style to watch you know but he he talked a great game. He had a great gimmick. He pissed a lot of people off by flashing his money. Um, and so, you know, Mayweather Mayweather raked in the cash with people rooting against him, uh, pretty much laughing all the way to the bank. With Tank, it's a little bit different in that, um, you know, this guy, they're making him out to be this super likable character who comes from nothing in the the streets of Baltimore uh, and also just has a really fun fight style. So 
that's going to get a lot of people to root for him. It's not going to get a lot of people to root against him. It's a, it's a big swing in the, uh, in the ways to make a star. But one of the ways to do those is when you have a, a guy on a big stage and this is supposed to be his coming out party and he does something like that, it is, uh, it, it is, you know, blockbuster, like people who paid their $75 to watch him today, however many it is, a uh, hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand, 300,000, 500,000, who knows, but whatever that number is, uh, they're going to feel like they got their money's worth. You know, that was as good a fight as you've probably seen Mayweather in, in the era of spending a lot of money to watch Mayweather fights, you know, Mayweather usually made a lot of his opponents look silly sloppy, but you never really got that exclamation point, um, you know, outside of like Ricky Hatton. So, uh, and I'm talking the money Mayweather. I'm not talking pretty boy. I'm talking like when you had to fork over a lot of cash to watch Mayweather. Um, and so look, it was a great performance by Gervonta and, and, and for everything they bet on that he was going to be, you know, he just, he just, you know, just hit, at blackjack he you know rolled seven at the craps table uh he got all cherries at the slot machine he paid off on the bet and then some um it was it, it that that knockout and this was a genius thing by by showtime is anybody who didn't pay the 75 dollars that knockout was on twitter within 30 seconds by their account and that's a that was a smart thing a lot of people you know back in the day they used to hog these things oh we can't do it because we don't want to, you know, the rebuy. It's like, who rebuys anymore? Um, so, look, that's a, that, that's, a, that's a huge statement by Tank. It's interesting now to see where this division's at. It's a, it's a, it's a fun division. It is full of a, a lot of young stars, a lot of charismatic stars. Look, there's not a born uh, – if you want to just talk about the uh, the four guys who really front this – uh, 135 division, which I imagine is where Tank is going to uh, officially reside after this. I don't, you know, he did the two belt thing. He made good weight. All that stuff is awesome. I, I just, I got to imagine that he is going to stay up now and, and, uh, and, and going forth because I just think there's a lot of money there, quite frankly. Um, but you just think about, you know, Teofimo Lopez, Gervonta Davis, Devin Haney's fighting next week down here in Miami against Yoriyoki Scamboa. Ryan Garcia, there's just so much star power between the three of them, but I really hope that they are not all kept away from each other for very long. I, you know, if they want to do the thing where, hey, they both got to fight somebody now, and, you know, Teofamo's got a lot of belts, so he's got a lot of options. We'll talk about one of those coming up in a little bit with his IBF mandatory, that, uh, that one today. But eventually like if we just say where things are at the top of this division you know you hope that hey among all of these guys that we're going to get cracking and it's going to uh it's going to be amongst everybody taking on each other so i, I just thought it was a, a fantastic night for him um as far as that's concerned because i thought he showed a lot of maturity like he got swarmed early thought he paced himself well uh, you could see some frustrations go forth early on. Uh, there was a questionable slip knockdown in the first round, um, you know, but he wasn't shaken by it either way and just showed a lot of poise, just, uh, just showed a lot of poise before he, uh, he uncorked that absolute 
monster uppercut, which uh, I'm sure just has to make Showtime happy, PBC happy, has to make Mayweather Promotions uh, absolutely ecstatic. Um, you know, so I think the thing that's going to be interesting here is like, what is the most likely direction they go in? Because they got a guy in Leo Santa Cruz who's under the Al Heyman umbrella. Um, are they going to stay in that, in that, you know, playpen? Are they going to try and, you know, make sure that everybody's out here and they, uh, they can, uh, they can try and stay within their own, their own limit because Devin Haney's a matchroom guy. Ryan Garcia's golden boy. Uh, Teofimo is top rank. So everybody, the, the one problem that we have is we have all these guys, but they're all, uh, in this, uh, in this realm of, Oh, we have to, uh, you know, we have to try and get everybody on the same 10. One of the things that I guess it would be positive is we did just have a P in ESPN, uh, showtime pay-per-view with, uh, with Teofimo Lopez, uh, excuse me with, uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. So those guys have worked out together now and they have been able to, uh, to make something happen, but uh, you don't want to be in one of these positions where, you know, we don't have any opportunity to see this. Um, but like, you know, I'm going to say right now with boxing, like not to make it this simple, but when you have an undisputed champion and an interim champion, they eventually have to fight. We just saw this with Habib Nurmagomedov taking on Justin Gaethje. And so, when I look upon the lightweight rankings and I see that Teofimo Lopez has a piece of the WBA crown and, you know, Javante Davis has the WBA piece of the WBA crown and the same thing goes for the WBC and all this type of stuff, you know, how these all don't get together and say, hey, these guys got to fight each other uh, or, you know, that's that is, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy to me. And I know that, you know, Javante has... He's, uh, he has a situation with, with, he has a manager in Floyd Mayweather who might tell the, he might tell the WBA, WBA to kick the sharpest of rocks that we don't need belts. We got the, the star the, you know, that may be the direction they go. And it may be where Teofimo is in the situation where he is the belt guy. He is the guy who has all the gold and that's going to be the direction they go. I hope it's not. I hope that these guys take over a new era of boxing where they're all, fighting each other where they're all hungry for one another, where they're going to be all legends amongst each other. If they get into the ring with one another. Um, but I will say like, you know, for, for Teofimo getting all of the belts and how big his performance was against Lomachenko, um, that's going to be more remembered. I mean, even with his number being 3 million and a lot of people tuning in uh, and him having all the, the straps right now, the 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 viral effect of Gervonta's knockout is going to have more effect over people seeing it um probably for the next you know week or so or and then we'll roll forth into whatever his next fight is so you know but he's in a tough spot because he's got mandatory you know when you have all them belts you got a lot of people that you got to uh appease and i'm not saying that they got to fight each other next uh, because all these guys are kind of just getting onto the crown of things. But, you know, by the end of next year, you would like to have Teofimo Lopez fight one of these guys. Gervonta Davis to fight one of Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, something in that realm. 
or whomever has the belts after all of this stuff. Like you want to start getting this all sorted out so we could figure out who the man is. Um, because Teofamo came out of last week and he was the man or two weeks ago and showed that he was the man. And then, uh, you know, this week, everybody's going to be singing the high praises of Javante Davis. You know, maybe Devin Haney goes out next week and he does something to Yoriyoki Scamboa that Javante Davis couldn't do. Maybe he finishes him in within three rounds, you know, does something, you know, really, really impressive. Maybe Ryan Garcia takes Luke Campbell on in a, in a little bit. And, you know, all these guys are going to have their time to shine and uh, have their opportunity. Um, I just hope that it's upon the sport that they don't keep them apart and that we uh, we get a chance to see them all. But tonight belongs to Javante Davis because that was um, that was perfection. You couldn't you couldn't ask for a night to go better than what he did last night. Back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Let's get into a little bit of UFC. What we had last night, you had Anderson Silva uh, and what apparently was going to be his swan song with uh, the UFC. You had him taking on Uriah Hall. Um, this was supposed to be it. This was supposed to be the end for Spider Silva and him taking on who was supposed to be, you know, the heir apparent long back in the day, the, uh, the old, what was it? Chael Sonnen, uh, John Jones season of the ultimate fighter, which they announced, Hey, the ultimate fighters coming back. Uh, just, you know, I don't know who's it like the, the, the thing with the ultimate, just of another trajectory. I don't know, uh, if there's a need for that show anymore. First of all, I think people seem to love Dana White's Susan Knight contender series. I think they, they seemingly love it. Um, but I just, that, 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 uh, that whole vibe of just, you know, the reality show people being into it. Listen, I've gone into some trashy reality shows. I'm not going to lie. Like on the Netflix, that thing with the, uh, the love is blind or, um, what was the other one? Uh, the one where the robot uh, keeps them from having the sex and they lose all the money. That was great too. But, uh, you know, them doing the whole thing with the fighters in the house. I don't know, man. I don't think it ever got better than the, the Kimbo slice season. That was my favorite. I loved it. Um, either way. So Anderson Silva versus Uriah Hall. Um, you know, it was one of those things where Anderson Silva, it's been an Anderson Silva fight. You know, he is, uh, he's just not the same type of, you know, mystical or a creature that he used to be because one of the reasons is he's hurt his leg badly twice in two fights. Um, one of them was one of the most horrific injuries you've ever seen. And, you know, it's, it's clearly, you know, just not something he loves going to as much as he used to. Um, he's also old. And so I don't have much expectations going into these things of how he's going to look. Uh, Uriah Hall did his Uriah Hall thing for a couple of rounds where he was very hesitant to throw shots. Uh, he eventually started getting to him in the third round, put him away in the fourth was heartbroken that he did it, but, um, you know, good for him. He ended up getting to beat an idol of his and, you know, he was saying, you're the best, you're the best, um, all that type of stuff. And one of the things that bummed me out about it though, to be honest with you, and this isn't the hate on Anderson because I, I love the guy and I loved watching his career, but one of the things that I think sucked is that Anderson, you know, we had all this talk of the goat last week of Habib Nurmagomedov and, you know, I don't mean now it seems like maybe Habib's going to come back and we'll, you know, get into that in a second. But if he doesn't, uh, you know, 
one of the things that I would have found disappointing about it is, man, it seems like Nurmagomedov is getting better uh, every time he steps into the octagon. Like, he still seems like he is in not only the peak of his powers, but really just still in the prime of his powers. And with Anderson, you just wish that he would have gone out at a more appropriate time because it's so clear you know, ever since the Weidman rivalry that, you know, and everybody just kind of wanted to chalk it up to, ah, you know, Chris, you know, got a lucky shot. Anderson was clowning. And then, you know, obviously had the horrific injury in the second fight, even though he was losing that fight. And everybody kind of just wants to chalk it up to, um, you know, this or that. But the guy just, he just wasn't the same. And I just think we would have thought of his career a lot different. You know, obviously the, the PED test obviously came into the fold as well. Um, but you know, one of the things that I think always has to be remembered with this is the UFC was almost like major league baseball with the juicing, you know, like they turned a blind eye to it and it was in a, you know, you have all these guys in this old era and you're asking them, Hey, we're going to just switch up the rules on you midway. And some people will say, Oh, well, too bad. You got to, uh, figure it out. And you know, that's one way I guess you could go about it. But the other way and the reality of it is, is, you know, they're sticking at it at this certain age and you're switching the chemistry on them. So my point of it being is uh, I wish that Anderson would have gone out sooner, not just because, you know, you hate seeing a guy continue to just rack up losses, loss after loss after loss, but it, it inevitably takes the shine away of what is just a remarkable career and makes you forget about the good moments because you saw all of these ass kickings in the second in this you know second part of career this second part of his career where he's been just getting drubbed now for basically the last eight years has almost been as long as his peak in the UFC um and it sucks because, you know, so much stuff has changed with the UFC. It's bigger money now. It's on national television, on ESPN. By, by, by that, I mean ESPN. Um, it's almost mainstream. And he was kind of like one of the first mainstream goats. Like, we always wanted to see him versus GSP. That was kind of the, the super fight of that era that we were always dying to see. And we never got it. Um and, you know, it's it, it just, it, it's a bummer that you see it go down like this. And, you know, Dana White was talking today and he's like, oh, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, this is, you know, today confirmed what I knew was I should have just never given him a last fight. Yeah, to me, it really doesn't make a di you know, this fight, the last fight, like they're all just starting to mesh together now, you know, they're all just starting to, to blend, um, you know, and the dude's an absolute samurai. He's an absolute badass. You remember, like, when he rode it on his white horse to save UFC 200 and fought Daniel Cormier on, like, two days' notice? Um, you know, like, he's still going to be still a gangster. Like, don't get me wrong. But it just bums me out that out of all this goat talk, like, his feels like it kind of got the short end of it because you know, he has this just huge red mark on his resume, not only because of the PEDs, but all these L's that he's taken at the end of his career when he's just clearly not at the peak of his powers. So that's what I took away from uh, from yesterday and the loss that he had to Uriah Hall. Um, in the co-main event, you had Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell ended up getting a win over Andre Feely. Thought that he looked pretty decent. 
his ground game was on point. Everybody was uh, stoked to watch the the camo shorts. Love his attitude afterwards, where he's just not that pleased with himself. Um, that guy's gonna be super likable. I don't know if you guys saw. If you guys haven't seen him, the 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 Bryce Mitchell Thug Nasty's uh, car commercial. I highly recommend uh, looking that up on Twitter. Hilarious. Um, and then Greg Hardy got himself a win against Maurice Green and looked really good. I thought Greg Hardy, uh, you know, it was interesting. They were talking about the uh, the move that he's made from ATT to really training with Rashad Evans and Dean Thomas. And those, goes, go, those two guys are not only uh, UFC gurus, but they're gurus that have been based down here for a long time. And I think it's an interesting philosophy that he's uh, kind of needs that that one guy to really put his arm around his shoulder. I don't think there's anybody better at that than Rashad Evans. You talk about all of the guys that he's touched in mixed martial arts. You know, he's really the, you know, in a lot of ways, I call him the godfather of UFC. Like he just, he just takes like he takes all these guys under their wing. He's so generous with his time, with the knowledge that he passes to them. And it's why everybody loves him. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, in a lot of ways will probably help Greg, you know, not have to deal with all the BS that uh, that comes with being Greg Hardy and, you know, people watching him. Um, because I'm sure, look, you know, some people are never going to forget about the past, but I do think that there's a point in Greg Hardy's career where he does want to try and just make this fighting thing work out and, you know, I didn't think that he looked like a. I didn't think that he looked like a rookie fighter tonight. I don't think he looked like a guy who was just finding his way. Um, I like the fact too that he was more aggressive. I didn't like. I don't like guys who, uh, you know, who are absolute tanks as far as hitters are concerned, and they like try and preserve themselves to get to the distance. You know, I like. I like the fact that Francis Ngannou goes in there, and Francis Ngannou tries to go and win fights in ninety seconds. And if he doesn't, then, you know, ramifications will be the ramifications. But I like when Francis Ngannou is, like, trying to go in there. You know, Greg Hardy is bigger than basically every heavyweight and should attack it that with that sense because he's very powerful when he does connect. And I thought that he did a great job of that. So uh, it was a good performance by him. As far as the news was concerned this week with the UFC, uh, a couple things. We had a surprise after the card. They announced that... Um, and this was really surprising. I mean, that Stylebender is going to go up and fight for the light heavyweight title. He's going to take on Jan Blahovich. And on the one side, that's cool. I like the fact that Stylebender is going to go up there and fight Jan and fight him for the second belt. On the other hand, um, I'm annoyed because, you know, we could have had this rivalry with him and John Jones. Like, I, I wish that we were getting that, not him versus Jan. And look, it's not a disrespect to Jan. You know, Jan showed himself and showed a lot of people in that win that he had over, over Dominic Reyes that, yo, you guys all forgot. You thought that Dominic Reyes, just because he gave John Jones a run for his money, you thought that he was going to steamroll me and this was going to be a coronation. Uh-uh, playboy. Um, but the problem is, like, you know, I'm not in this to, you know, I don't want to watch just style bender win two divisions and win at two divisions and and maybe he won't but i don't i, I you know i don't want to see it against jan blahovich i wanted to see it against john bones jones like that's the fight i wanted we, we all wanted to see and now um you know we're in this spot where it's just like really like that's 
it's a swerve, man. It, it really, uh, it took me for a loop. So I don't know, man, that was, uh, that was something I was, uh, I was, I was floored when I, uh, when I saw that news that style bender was going up, uh, I'm bummed for Robert Whitaker because, you know, I thought that he had a number one contendership deserving title fight. I don't know what they do now. Like is style bender going to, you know, go back and forth. Is he going to hold on to the middleweight championship? Um, you know, that's a, that's, that's going to be an interesting thing to, to check out, but I just, I just think that, uh, I just think that it's, it's one of those things where I just think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, he's, uh, we're just losing out on a little bit with this, but it was cool. He was in the building yesterday because, uh, he's a huge Spider Silva fan and, uh, it's uh it was tough it was tough to uh it was it was tough to watch Anderson like that the other news that we got this week uh was that Dana White he was on CBS Sports Radio and he said that he isn't convinced that Habib is going to hang them up that that Nurmagomedov has been you know said that he was super emotional that you know his dad really wanted to go for 30 and 0 and I don't know who to keep up with, you know, like Habib, you know, he's he keeping presents to his mother who's alive, but then you also have to keep promises to his mother who's alive, but he's also trying to keep promises to his father who's no longer with us. So poor Habib, he's like in this, uh, this weird crossroads, if that is so with, uh, how his family is. Um, and I know Dana said last night that they're not looking to take the lightweight title off of him. So. You know, this is an interesting thing, though, but, this, you know, where, where we go, because if Habib is going to stay champion, let's take the GSP thing out for a second. I, I know that's probably what we're looking at, but if we were to just keep Nurmaga made up atop the division right now, this kind of goes back to my point of last week where I'm not rushing to put Justin Gaethje back into the title picture because of what we saw last week. You know, we saw Justin, who... I love as a fighter. You don't like Justin Gaethje as a fighter. There's something wrong with you. But we saw him go out there. We saw him get dealt with pretty easily by Habib. I think that warrants you probably having to go and get get yourself a win. Um, you know, and and so I don't know who you throw him in there with. Uh, if you put him in there with Michael Chandler, if you put him in there with Tony Ferguson, I would think it's a little weird that he has to go fight Tony again because he just did it. Um, that being said, I, I do think that Tony has been one of the best lightweights on the planet forever. And just because he loses one fight to Gaethje, where he's in the midst of a pandemic, the, the fights getting canceled left and right. He was supposed to fight Habib. I, like, I feel like we should give Tony Ferguson like a little bit of a break here, you know, like at least Justin Gaethje got a full camp. He got everything that he needed to prepare for Habib. He got his fair crack at the title. Okay. Tony had this fight against Habib really taken away from him from COVID-19. Let's be honest about it. You know, he had the fight. Then all of a sudden, Habib's in Russia. He's not doing the fight anymore. Then he's supposed to fight Justin Gaethje on certain notice. You know, the governor of California basically calls in a favor to Disney to shut it down. And, you know, he cuts weight anyway. Maybe that was stupid, but he did. 
And so he ends up having to fight Justin Gaethje again down the line. My point of it being, Tony Ferguson was dealt a bad hand going into that Justin Gaethje fight. And I really would like to see him get his fair shake at trying to get to Khabib. I really would. Um, Michael Chandler, look, we could either do Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler and the winner goes to fight Tony and then Tony fights the winner for a crack at the belt or Michael Chandler can just go to the front line and fight Tony. And I know there's been talks about that. I know Chael Sonnen said that on our show that he had heard from Tony Ferguson that they wanted to fight Michael Chandler. Um, and some people may not love that, but here's what I gotta tell you. Michael Chandler is a former world champion. He's an absolute badass. He's paid his dues in the sport. And for my money, um, if he goes and he, if he goes and he beats Tony Ferguson, that's warranted enough to go win a title shot. Um, And then, you know, I think the most obvious place of the number one contendership should really take place in January between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Like, if those two guys are fighting, they're both coming off wins, whoever wins that fight should probably fight Khabib for the title um, because that would be two wins in a row. It's a, it's a, it's a shark tank of a division right now. Um, now, if either one of those two guys wins, uh, I would say Nermagaman is probably going to be like, nah, don't want to fight that fight. So we'll see. And we'll see if Khabib goes through with the retirement. Maybe those, those two will end up fighting for the interim title. And then Tony and Chandler and Gaethje, whatever that love triangle is, they'll go and take on the winner of that. But yeah, for my money, my point of it was that if Khabib isn't leaving, that Justin Gaethje shouldn't be the next up for a title fight or really shouldn't even, in my mind, be fighting for the number one contendership next um, just because the division's pretty stacked. If it was other divisions, sure. But this division, a lot of options. And a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, guys who want to get right in there. Um, I thought Justin had a shot. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not to say he can't get back in there. It's just, I think we should, I think there's other guys. I, I would like to see Tony get his crack again to get back in there with Habib, even if it is a cursed fight. Uh, Dustin beat Dan Hooker right off the loss of Habib. So he already has a top five win. He might get two. Uh, Connor, be nice for him to get a win at lightweight. It would be nice for him to get a win at lightweight so we can get there. So, you know, it, it was interesting news this week uh, as far as Habib comes back. But more than likely, if he does come back, uh, I think we're all under the impression that he's going to be fighting GSP. So it may all be for naught. All this complaining that I just did may be for nothing. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into a little bit more boxing. Deontay Wilder spoke for the first time in a while yesterday. It's not really doing himself any services. And we'll get into what went on uh, across the pond with Alexander Usyk, Derek Chisora, George Kambosis, Lee Selby. That's next. Welcome back, guys. It's Futter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. It is Tobin here with you. We roll on. Uh, again, do a little bit more boxing here as get a couple results from across the pond. So the zone had a card yesterday uh, across the pond. Alexander Usyk, he was taking on Derek Chisora. Um, big test for Alexander Usyk in that it's the second fight at heavyweight. Uh, he fought in Chicago last June, I believe it was supposed to be. Excuse my ignorance on that. Remember, it was supposed to be against our guy Tyrone Spong, but uh, some wonky tests made that not a thing. Bummed me out to uh, to uh, to a big degree. 
but he was taking on Derek Chisora here. Derek Chisora is a, a moose, man. He is a big dude, big dude. And so the big question here with uh, with with Alexander was, you know, how's he going to deal with the power? Can he put away a guy like Chisora? Chisora's, remind you, he's a big dude. He's not even as big as Anthony Joshua is. Uh, he's not as big as as Tyson Fury is. So, you know, it was it was a it was a big test for him. You know, Usyk is is trying to make this step up into heavyweight, and um, it was a nice little taste test. And look, I mean, Chisora was bringing it to him early on in that fight. You know, a lot of people had him up three zero after the first three rounds in that in that cat uh, in that fight. Um, you know, was making him uncomfortable. Clearly, was bothered by his strength that he couldn't really. Um, couldn't really get his, get his distance going. You know, he was really sticking on him strong. Eventually was able to, to break out and use some of his boxing skill set and, uh, and, and get some distance between him and Jazora really rallied on the scorecards, ended up winning 115, 113 on two cards, 117, 112, uh, on others. And, uh, and stuff for Jazora, you know, Jazora's, uh, older, he's 36 years old. So it's not like, uh. You know, it's not like this is uh, he hasn't had a chance to get into this uh, to this elite sense, you know, but I think for Usyk, you can't help but be a little bit disappointed um, in that he was that bothered by it and that, you know, some of the questions I think about him going into heavyweight are fair after watching a performance like this one, you know, for example, like we just saw Chisora. Chisora was very game against Dillian White. Um, but Dillian White has that equalizer and D- Dillian White deaded him. You know, he hit him with a, with a nasty uppercut and that was all she wrote. And with Usyk, you just didn't feel like he had any next gear to go to the well and put Chisora away. And so you just ask yourself, well, is this going to translate well if he's in there with somebody named Tyson Fury? Is this going to go well if he goes in there with somebody like Anthony Joshua? Will it go if he goes against somebody like you know, Deontay Wilder. So all those questions are, I think are, uh, are fair after, after watching yesterday. It wasn't the greatest performance by him. Uh, the other big one that I was looking out for yesterday, you know, friend of the show, George Cambosis, we had him on the podcast this week. If you guys missed that interview, highly recommend it. Uh, it is on available on the fighters fury feed and you guys can check it out on YouTube as well. Look up uh, George Cambosis, Tobin. You guys will find it there for you. We've talked to him a, a few times and this was a big one for George. You know, George has been, scheduled and slotted to fight Lee Selby. Actually, it was supposed to be a headliner in Wales back in the day. Um, you know, but COVID being what it is, has put it to the co-made event on this card. Still a big card. They had a lot of great fights on this card. Um, but George, uh, if he wins this, he's the mandatory for the IBF title. He is, he's the mandatory challenger to Teofimo Lopez's championship. And I would say is probably his most likely next opponent. I would guess. Like I said, you know, these guys have all had just very high, you know, high profile fights, especially Tefemo taking on Lomachenko. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he takes on George. It's an easier fight to make, you know, great relationships of management, top rank, um, all that type of stuff. I feel like it's it's a pretty easy fight, even though you did have Bob Aram say that he wants Tefemo's next fight to be against Ryan Garcia. Um, which look, I like that Bob is thinking big with these fights, but you know, I do think that one of the things with TFMO is he does, I would want to keep the hardware on him too. And so, 
with uh, with George, you know, George has now put himself in a good spot. You know, he's now nineteen and zero. He's twenty seven years old, so he's also very very young. That's one of the things I love about this division. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was the most memorable fight in the world that anyone's going to write home about, but it was a tough fight that he had to take out. First of all, Selby. First of all, a couple of things. Two first of alls. Um, Selby was you know, very pitter patter, you know, was just bopping him on the head with this, with this light jab running away, really wasn't engaging with any power shots, hit him with a couple of counter stuffs running in, but nothing that really gave Cambosis any type of trouble. Uh, you wouldn't know that if you were watching the zone because they had the sky sports feed on and holy, I don't know who the one bloke is, but the other guy's Andy Lee, former champion, I mean, they were so in the bag for Lee Selby. It was embarrassing. I was like, what are you talking? So they get to the, like the 10th round and they're like, yeah, it'll like 8-2. I'm like, 8-2? 8-2? I have Cambosis won two out of the first three rounds. 8-2. Uh, I was I was floored by how off they were on this. And then I was like wondering, like, well, you know, I like George a lot. Am I watching this with very biased eyes? I don't feel like I am. I can usually tell watched enough boxing in my life to know if I'm off or do I feel like I'm holding out for him. I think I, I th- that fight closed and I was like, I feel like he's got that like eight, four at worst seven, five. And they were sitting here saying like, Oh, George is lucky if he got four rounds. I was like, what are you guys talking about? Uh, and then I'm like going and I'm scrolling on the, uh, I'm scrolling like on sky sports. Like what, you know, who do you think won? And like, even the British fans are all like, Oh no, no. Cambosis won, dude. Cambosis won. Like, so I wasn't the only guy who uh, who said he was robbed was Damian Lillard, who obviously was probably you know must have been getting either a lift or uh, some baskets in with that game over his monitors uh, with the speakers or something, because uh, he was like oh Selby was robbed I was like he was not robbed it was a split decision, um, and I don't think that uh, I know one of the scorecards was one eighteen uh, one ten I think for Cambosis it wasn't that lopsided, but he clearly won the fight he clearly won the fight. So hopefully this sets him up. You know, that's, that's our guy, man. So I hope that the big one is next for him, his guy, uh, for his manager, Peter, Javier, all the crew over there at the Sweatbox Gym. I hope that, you know, that they get their uh, their crack at, at Teofimo. Um, you know, hopefully this is, uh, you know, th- that, that, they, uh, that they'll get their mandatory and that's the case. Because I don't know if this was, like, the performance that would, like, Say, oh wow, I gotta see uh, you know him against Teofimo next. It wasn't a bad performance by any means. It was a great performance. It was a very solid win. Um, but I think on a night where you see Javante Davis knock a mother bleeper out the way he did, you know, Mortal Kombat style, everyone's gonna be like, Oh, well, I want to see Tank versus Teofimo, and they gotta battle that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but congratulations to George. It was a it was a very deserved win. That's a long sought after win for him. And, um, you know, like I said, I hope the big ones, if it's not for that, you know, if they're, if they're not going to give it to him, I guess then TFM has got to vacate and, and then he'll get to fight for the title. Whatever it is, you know, George is in the spot right now where he is, uh, he has set himself up to get a title shot, which is great for him. Really, really great for him. Um, let's get to this. So the last piece that I want to get to is Deontay Wilder who we have not heard from in a long time. We have not. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, the last time Devante Deontay spoke, 
was I'm sorry, I said Devontae. I must have, you know, two a two a touchdowns to Devontae Parker on the line. But um the last time Deontay spoke, like everybody was mocking him. Like he was talking, first of all, you don't see this a lot where a guy loses a fight and then like is looking to be interviewed by everybody under the sun afterwards. And that's what he was doing. And he was like, you know, 45 pound suit, you know. Uh, you know, just excuses up the wazoo, uh, crooked referee, you know, wants to fire his trainer for throwing in the towel, all that type of stuff. And everybody's just looking at him like, all right, well, your, your trainer, he, he seemed like he was doing the right thing by you. You were getting your ass whooped pretty badly, man. Um, and the 45 pound suit, like, I don't know what to tell you like that. That to me is crazy. Now, look, Deontay is a is is uh, Deontay is a warrior. The guy is got absolute dynamite in his hands. Maybe the best power puncher we've ever seen, and because of that, you know, I think as a guy like him, you probably always think, oh, you're always gonna have a chance in the fight. Maybe that's the case. Look, he was getting pretty pieced up even in the fight, the first fight, but it wasn't like this. Like this fight was different. Like he was on really shaky legs for a lot of this fight. He'd been knocked down. He had been getting busted up. He, he, he was getting busted up. So that leads us to Saturday where Deontay comes out and he is demanding his rematch against Tyson Fury. And remember Tyson has been like moving on from Deontay Wilder. They've been saying that the contract has expired and it was funny because I hadn't watched the video. I was out trick-or-treating with my kids, and I had only seen what Devon, uh, what Deontay... Got to stop doing that. Uh, I had only seen what Deontay had tweeted. I had not seen the video. So I thought the video was just like a little thing of his logo. You know, I was there with goats and, you know... There was an ice ice truck. You know, I was very busy at the time, folks. Sorry. So I had only seen his tweets, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Deontay, he makes some good points. He goes, Fury, be a man. It's time for you to be a man on your agreement. What is this BS about you fighting Carlos to come instead of me? You got to be kidding. When you were going through your darkest time, I told you to get yourself together, and I would give you a shot. Being a man of my word, I gave you your title shot. When that fight was a draw, I told you I would give you a rematch. You know I was offered more money to fight Joshua than I was to fight you. Again, being a man of my word, I fought you. In a rematch agreement, there was a rematch clause. And now it is time for you to be a man and on your word instead of trying to weasel out of our agreement. Uh, scared people run, but a scary man will break his contract, you coward-ass B. Bomb squad, hashtag till this day. So I had only seen those tweets from Deontay Wilder. And I was like, huh. I don't know if all those facts are true, but they're, they sound like they don't sound made up. And I got to tell you, I was like, oh, Deontay Wilder. He makes himself a point. I was like, oh, good for Deontay. Then I get home from trick-or-treating and I see the video. Now, I was pretty flummoxed. By watching this, because this is not the first time I have heard this video, this theory before. Um, 
Deontay, his brother has put out the loaded gloves theory. If you've seen it, there's a, you know, you can see kind of the, the, there's stills of like the Tyson Fury floppiness to his glove. So a lot of people think that like they legitimately loaded something into his glove. Like the 10 ounce gloves can't get that floppy right out of the package, which I guess not. I've actually been at fights where I've seen gloves break before. It's not, uh, it's not totally unheard of that a glove can get pretty, pretty busted up, but they were under the impression of, Oh, it caused his ear to cut it. Uh, it, it was like floppy. And then they, they the big one is he thinks that it was loaded up with an egg weight. Cause he says he has a dent in his skull still from an egg weight. Now look, <laughs> I almost wish that, Deontay Wilder would have come out with this just now. And this wasn't like his ninth excuse for losing the fight. Because, you know, if we had never heard of weighted vest gate or crooked ref or any of this type of stuff, maybe you'll lead yourself to believe, okay, I'll bite. Um, but I mean, it's the it's the, this is like the seventh, eighth, ninth thing that we've heard from Deontay on this fight. The guy has yet to just say, man, Tyson Fury kicked my ass. He just can't accept it. He can't accept it. And that bums me out because I'm a, I'm a fan of Deontay Wilder. I like watching this guy fight. And, you know, when everybody was hosing down his boxing skills and all that type of stuff, I was like, who cares? He's 41 and 0. He's knocked out 40 people. He doesn't need to box. He'll find you and he'll knock you out. You know, he ran into a fight and he lost. I was like, yeah, big deal. You know, props to him for fighting Tyson Fury. He wasn't a coward. And as a guy who's stood on this show and, you know, supported the guy and defended the guy, I'm bummed out that we were going Alex Jones crazy conspiracy on the Tyson Fury fight still. It's it's just it's it's lousy. It's lousy to hear stuff like that from Deontay. And again, if it was the first time you went to that well, okay, all right. He's got one excuse to bring up. He brings it up way after. Fine, but he's been doing this literally since that towel's been thrown, and he's been cranking up the excuse machine. And they get wackier and wackier. So. I don't know what's going to end up happening. I thought before he, before I watched that video, I was like, hey, it makes a pretty compelling argument. You know what? I do forget that. He uh, he gave Tyson Fury a shot when Tyson was pretty much blacklisted from the uh, sport. You do forget that he kind of went away from the Anthony Joshua thing to make this happen. All right, I'll hear you out, Deontay. Uh, especially if he's going to fight Carlos Takam. Like, who cares at that point? Yeah, fight Deontay Wilder. Um, but then I watched the video. I'm just like, Jesus, man. Still? Shake weight, egg weight, that's where we're going. Before we close today's show, you know, it is election week, so we thought we'd close it out with the president, president of BKFC, David Feldman. BKFC 14, it is coming down to Miami, Florida on November 13th at the Intercontinental Miami, which is a, it's a fantastic place to watch a fight. They've been, uh, you know, they've been doing this uh, a little bit in the pandemic. Been to a couple cards there, but David, you're bringing BKFC back down to the 305, so it's going to be exciting to have you, man. So, uh, what led you guys to come back down here? I mean, South Florida is the spot for us right now. It, 
it, it, it's a great place for us to do fights. There's a lot of fight fans down there, and there's a you know the population's good. Obviously, during COVID, there's some problems. So we're allowed to have a limited crowd, and we are. Um, it's going to be a sensational card. I wish that we could do a building where, where we could fit 4,000, 5,000 people because I think we would sell this one out easy. Um, it's a great fight card. Louis Palomino versus Jim Allers is the main event for the 155-pound strap. And then um, the co-main event is Dat Nguyen, a very, very polished and, and established boxer. Um, will be fighting for the interim world championship against Reggie Barnett because his um, – his uh, an initial opponent, Johnny Bedford, who is the 135-pound champ, was forced to pull out for injury. That's awesome. That'd that be that. He's going to be back in action. You guys check that yeah. out. Check that on out. So uh, how did you guys uh, come to the Intercontinental? How was that, uh, how was that established? Have you been there before? It's a, it's a really nice place to to watch events. And what is uh, fans who, who may be interested in going, what is the, the setup going to be like if you're interested in going and watching some, some fights live? Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're, we're sold out. Already, um, fortunate, fortunately, and unfortunately, we yeah. sold out within 24 hours. Oh, that's awesome. Um, limited capacity, like I said, about 600 tickets, but you know, it was nice. It was, it was nice to to feel the love that fast. Um, if they want to watch it, they're going to have to watch it on the Bare Knuckle TV app, which is a fantastic app. It's a it, it's our streaming platform that we're streaming all of our events on. It's only three dollars and ninety nine cents a month so it's very very affordable and you can get that at bktvapp.com but that's the only place you're really going to be able to watch this fight and you really don't want to miss it because we have a sensational card from top to bottom some some um, local florida guys that you heard of before and some newcomers to the sport so it's you know it's going to be really really sensational uh card great fights and you know an exciting environment yeah i think i saw uh, locally i know for one of our, our friends of the program yuli diaz is going to be on the is going to be on the card yeah. Always draws, yeah, you, always draws a big crowd down here, so I'm sure people will be excited to go watch him as well. Uh, yeah, Yuli's fighting. We have another guy that fought for us off February. Um, I actually, I'm sorry, in Daytona Beach, 9-11, Jared Grant, a local uh, local Fort Lauderdale guy, very established amateur boxer, 1-0 now in bare knuckle, and he's going, you know, going to try to be 2-0. We also have another guy that you may have heard of. I'm not sure if you heard of Brutal Jake Bostic, but... He's a really, really good fighter from England. Yep. He's training in in Miami now. He actually trains um, he trains Timberland. So Timberland's going to be there in attendance. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a great event. It's going to be star studded, you know, for sure. We're, I'm getting you know a lot of celebrities asking to come out. So we reserved a lot of, of uh, seats for those kind of people. I think it's going to be a really good showcase event for us. Limited attendance, but a really nice boutique feel. What was the uh, what was the card like at nine eleven? What was how how did you? I know you guys. I uh, was there for the press conference on that. Um, I wasn't able to make the drive up to Daytona, but how did you like how that all turned out? Just you know, I'm sure it was tremendous to throw it off. It was tremendous. It was a uh, our app. It was our first show on the app, so we had a little hiccups there for about twenty minutes, which with the worst twenty minutes we could have had. It was like eight fifty five to nine fifteen. We couldn't get in, but once they got in, they loved it. Um, that's you know everything's repaired on that it's uh, that's fantastic now but the fight card itself was the best fight card we've had since the inception of bare knuckle fighting championship and the stuff that we were able to do for 9-11 was what it was fantastic we we got to honor some fallen soldiers we got to honor just the the police um the firefighters we let a lot of them come out it was a tremendous event from that standpoint and from a fight standpoint brandon it was unbelievable like the best fight card do you think that's uh do you think it was a case of of good matchups or do you think that 
because you guys are starting to roll out and more guys are fighting more commonly, are guys getting better at bare knuckle and, and making the yeah, fights I think better? A great, great question. I think people are getting better at bare knuckle. They're, they're learning what's good and bad about the sport. But the thing is, is some guys get so good at bare knuckle that they try to run and dance a little bit. And those are the kind of guys that aren't going to make it in, in, in this league because this is, we're all about excitement, fast paced excitement. So I think it's about great matchups, but we're getting a better quality as we're being able to expand. Now we're getting a better quality, not only athlete, but a better quality fighter. Now too, we're getting former world champions, boxing world champions, reaching out to us left and right. Uh, Big time UFC stars that are currently in the, on the UFC roster that are reaching out. When my contract expires, I want to cross over. It's just, it's something I think it's very intriguing because um, it's something different that they haven't done in the past. But it's also a chance where, let's say you're a top 30 UFC guy and not a top 10 UFC guy. Well, now you get a chance to be a star, like the star in Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship very, very fast. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that because uh, you guys, it was the the day you guys uh, signed Paige and you thought that was going to be a big, you know, opener for you like that, that you, you actually got somebody with, with a big name after you guys been fishing for so long, trying to almost, uh, as Pat Riley says, get your whale and you got and, and you, you got a big name in Paige and you thought that that was going to show a lot of people that you guys were for real. And do you have you, uh, I guess, seen that trickle down as as the as the months have gone on since then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that opened a lot of doors for us. I think it let us, it let everybody really know in the combat sports industry that we aren't just a startup league that's just trying to put on shows, that we are really trying to make big waves and we have the ability to do that financially. And I think that that was a big play for us. And we're getting, a, like I said, they're all reaching out now. Some don't make sense for us and some really make sense for us so it's a great opportunity for us now to be able to select those kind of people like we can pick and choose and say nah it's probably not the right fit for us that you are the right fit for us before we were like oh yeah you want to fight for us you're in you're in <laughs> and now we get to make that that selection just a little bit and not you know that wasn't like a conceited statement to make that was just like i think we're seeing where this sport's going now where people are attracted to it and that's what's given us that option Will you will you look at guys um, like for example you know some of the guys you have like Hector Hector's a guy who usually just brings the storm Tiago Alves like do you you know do you want to know that those guys will have the style that they will bring it and that's not just necessarily a big name that just may may have a big name may be recognizable maybe the, you don't think that they're gonna maybe have the fight style because of what they've done in MMA or what they've done in boxing for uh, how it will translate over to bare knuckle. Yeah, well, I think we learned a lot as. As time's going on, we know with Paulie Malinaji fighting Artem Lobov, you know, it's funny that we talked to the, our team yesterday and, and we were all like, man, we'll bet like a, you know, and we can't bet then. But we were like, could we bet him like we'll bet a million dollars on Malinaji? There's no way that Artem Lobov has a shot against a boxer. Now that this is evolving, we're seeing that it really is the great equalizer. It's, you know, so because of that, it's we're not just picking anyone any big name that wants to come in our way. We're picking guys that do, as you mentioned, have the style to fit bare knuckle fighting. Uh, speaking of Paige Van Zant, do you have any idea uh, when we will see her debut? Of, of uh, I know, I guess her and her husband got COVID in the midst of all this, so I don't know if that yeah. held things up. But she was going to fight on this card, Brandon, um, on November 13th, and then we were, we postponed it because of that. And she's actually going to fight. Um, we're working on a venue right now. It looks like we're going to do a fight uh, Friday, February 5th, in Tampa right before the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a, a really good 
step up for us in a coming out party mainstream wise for us in front of, you know, all different types of sports fans that normally wouldn't watch this kind of event. Well, that's awesome, man. So, uh, David, before we get you out of here, uh, tell people again, how can they watch this? You guys have sold out really quickly, but if people want to watch coming up on November 14th, uh, November 13th, excuse me, uh, how can they watch BKFC 14? Now you can download the Bare Knuckle TV app. It's on it's on all the different platforms, the Apple Store, Google Play, Android, you know, wherever you want to go to watch that. You can go to bktvapp.com to download it. It's $3.99 a month. It's an unbelievable bargain. You get to see our library, all our different shoulder programming, and all the live pay-per-view events moving forward will be on that app. So it's bktvapp.com. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brennan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.